Darmstadt on Air number 14. Being the Pilot. Uli Fusnegger in conversation with Andreas Eduardo Frank. Welcome to Darmstadt on Air, the podcast of the Darmstadt Summer Course with conversations on music and experiment. I'm Silvia Freidank from the Darmstadt team and I give you a very short introduction to episode number 14. The Darmstadt Summer Course is a place of personal exchange. When the festival and academy had to be postponed by one year, we started this series of conversations for the time in between. Each podcast is hosted by one of our tutors. They invite a dialogue partner and choose a topic that is relevant for their artistic practice. The Austrian double bass player and improviser Uli Fusenegger, born in 1966, has been involved in the summer course for many years. Since 2018, he is working at the Academy of Music in Basel as director of the contemporary music department called Sonic Space Basel. As a soloist and former longtime member of Klangforum Wien, Uli has been collaborating with many different composers and he has experienced a variety of approaches how to work together. So he chose the composer-performer collaboration as a main topic for this podcast. Uli Fusenegger talks to composer Andreas Eduardo Frank. Born in 1987, Andreas took part in the Darmstadt Summer Course in 2016 and 2018. Close collaborations with musicians and other artists are in the core of his work. Starting from two of Andreas' recent projects, he and Uli talk about co-creation and collaboration, band playing as a training, authorship and about being the pilot. Uli and Andreas will introduce themselves at the beginning of the talk, so I don't have to say much more. Enjoy listening. Welcome to this podcast. My name is Uli Fusenecker. I have been tutor at Darmstädter Ferienkurses since 2002. I have been working as a bass player, improviser, composer and also producer uh, for many years. My current task is to be head of the contemporary music at Hochschule für Musik in Basel, Sonic Space Basel. I'm very happy to welcome Andreas Eduardo Frank, composer, at this moment sitting in Stuttgart. I'm located here in Basel and we communicate over Zoom. Welcome, Andy. Hi, Uli. Thanks for the invitation. Um, yeah, so my name is Andreas Eduardo Frank. I'm a composer and multimedia artist and I am based in Basel right now. I'm mainly working as a composer and I'm leading a contemporary music ensemble named Ensemble Lemniscate. These days uh, you told me you're sitting in Stuttgart uh, working on a project, I guess, with uh, Stuttgart uh, Vokalsolisten, so maybe with we should use this moment also uh, for promoting your project, I guess. Of course. Yeah, um, it's, um, it's a project uh, with the Neue Vokalsolisten Stuttgart. 
Um, it was born out of the, the idea to use the corona situation and to make something out of it uh, rather than complaining about it. And um, so I proposed that we do uh, online music theater or better said a music theater which is living between the digital and the analog world and we use the stage as a membrane between this digital space where you can perceive um, streams and things like that and the analog world where you sit in the concert room. So the idea was to connect those both worlds in one performance and um, create a membrane which is like permeable for information from the audience to get what to one side or to the other side via stage. That sounds pretty thrilling and uh, I think it's also a really good project to talk about concerning our uh, subject we are talking about today, which is co-creation. I have chosen this subject of co-creation because in my perception the cooperation and role allocation uh, between performers and composers has changed to some extent in the last decades. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm already a pretty old guy, so I can say that. And uh, maybe before we go into this, uh, I think it's important to, uh, to divide uh, our talk a little bit in... Uh, maybe in two aspects of co-creation. There is on the one hand, of course, uh, the act of creating in terms of co-creation, but also the act of uh, making and producing. So uh, sometimes these two acts, of course, uh, go into the other, but uh, maybe we should first start with uh, the aspect of the the act of making and uh, and producing you i think uh, you have done pretty some project in this manner of course these days uh, composing is always kind of a, a co-creation but let's go maybe first to the act of making and producing i i remember having seen one of your projects with uh, the clarinet player richard haynes uh iron lung uh in 2019 i saw it in basel i think you you did it also in bern uh you both were in a pretty weird club called Wurm, uh, and you were sitting there uh, on your laptop and uh, and the mixer, and uh, Richard Haynes was uh, playing the contrabass clarinet. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about this production? Yes, of course. It was a funny project actually, and um, I must say it was also a really fruitful collaboration with Richard. The idea was to make a journey, to make an evening and to create it together. So to say, um, I, I didn't want it to um, do what I mostly do, write notes, a, a large, a large um, score and um, uh, with everything written out and then give it to the performer and the performer starts playing it. And then I say, yeah, yes, no, maybe this a little bit uh, more forte, this more piano, maybe the third rather longer. Uh, I mean, the, this was definitely not um, the starting point. I knew Richard already from before. I collaborated with his ensemble, uh, Ensemble Proton in Bern, and we had a pretty, pretty good connection already. 
and I saw a lot of his con uh, some of his concerts and and listened to his uh, recordings and so I just asked him if we want to do a piece together because I also knew he he's a very good improviser and then he said yes and um, then we started this project and what I learned out of this project and out of all the other project is if you start co-collaborating or co-composing or co-creating you need time mm -hmm. and this is uh, without time it gets really hard to get to to a point of quality because it's like a little bit like playing in a band I played for a lot of years actually this was yeah where I came from is like playing in bands when I was a teenager and it was like until I was 28 I played a lot in bands and um, this fact of playing together creating together sitting in a room for days for weeks until you have something to reshape it to refine it to talk about it to discuss it to um, to fight about it to argue things like this this is what um, I was really missing uh Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty interesting. I mean, uh, you you know, I have to put these questions, but uh, I think what what everybody who is listening now is thinking about: How did you start? Besides the fact that you knew each other and uh, you were clear you want to do something together, but uh, what is? Uh, I mean, you meet. Everybody has his setup. So, uh, what's the starting point? Did you just? Uh, first of all, uh, start to improvise, just trying something out, uh, recording, listening, and then make a step further? Or how could I uh, imagine your approach? Yeah, so first, uh, so um, through the sessions we had, we had, I think we, we met over a period of three weeks, which were splitted on like half a year or something. And on our first uh, meeting, we were discussing, we were just sitting and discussing, yeah, what do we want to do? And I said, hey, I would like to do a piece uh, which works with uh, you. I, I just want you as a performer. I would like to do something. And I, I think um, if we could add video and if we could add electronics and if we could add maybe like a small stage scenery that would be fantastic and I had this like a lot of ideas just too much and um, but the the basic idea of um, the music material came out from breathing so I was thinking so why shouldn't we do a piece about breathing And then um, we were discussing and we came to this topic of the lungs. And then, it, I don't know, it immediately just was like, yeah, lungs, it's amazing breathing. It somehow connects to the instrument very good and it connects to you. And I can totally picture you just breathing into your instruments for one hour. <laughs> and basically, this is where the performance kind of started. And then we started like feeding the whole thing with more um, more founded and more deeper material. So we structured it and we first started, we want to go from the act of breathing into the lung and convert the oxygen through the body into um, CO2 and then exhale it again. And to have this 
act, this moment, this kind of um, process projected into one concert performance or one evening. So this was the kind of poetic idea behind the whole thing. And then I also added that, uh, yeah, it would be nice to have like to build a lung. So to build a lung out of paper and to hang it over the audience and to let it breathe with us through the performance. So it should be like a kind of an installation. And we thought about it for a little while. And then I added a friend. She's a scenographer and uh, she built uh, the lungs for us. Uh, they were made of plastic, but um, this was kind of the idea. Yes, this was really spectacular in terms of visual aspects, of course. Uh, but I also realized that Richard seemed to have a kind of pretty heavy time. Yeah, it was corporal. So uh, this was also the idea. We needed this going to the limit. Also, like with your whole body, this whole corporal thing of breathing in, breathing out. It was um, was not only an ideal or conceptual thing, it was important to bring it on stage and to make it perceivable also for the audience. And this is what also often performance in, in all my works is about, that it gets this corporal thing, not only the brainy moment, also like um, like a physical thing. Which, which, which talks for itself. Yeah, I think that came out pretty clear in that project, <laughs> I have to say. I'm wondering, uh, coming back to, your, uh, to the period of creation, I mean, I remember it uh, to have seen a pretty structured performance. Uh, so I was wondering, uh, did you work on scenes uh, during uh, your work, uh, during the creation? and put then scenes together? Or was it more a, a walk from A to B also during your work? I mean, uh, you said before you were discussing the structure and stuff, uh, but it's also the, que the question, uh, how do you get to the structure? So I'm, I'm wondering, uh, how, how, did you, how did you configure, let's say, the, the milestones of this, uh, of this hour? So, um, as we said, we had this like four parts of like breathing in. Um, second part was getting into the bronchial parts and the little trees in the lungs. Then the third part was like the exchange and the fourth part was the exhale. So um, this was the, the structural idea. And then what we did is we started to generate material and we generated material through basically recording every aspect of his instrument. So we, we chose the, the contrabass clarinet as an instrument and it was this like beautiful, or is this beautiful metallic instrument. And this is also, and then we immediately knew, okay, it has to be the iron lung. And so we connected this visual picture With a um, with a conceptual idea of breathing, and this this gave already a lot a lot of inspiration and material. And then we started recording um, quite sophisticated his instrument. Every single key we ducked the, the instrument, and then we recorded every single key again. We made like air pressured sounds because we also I also knew already that I wanted to work a lot with this like really 
compressed air mm. sounds and we try to get them out of the instruments and basically what I did is I built myself an instrument out of his instrument as we cartographed it and we recorded it in this manner and we recorded every single single detail of it and so I had like a bunch of sounds with which I could mangle and play and and manipulate yeah but it was also important for me not to make a copy of him rather than make something new like just use the material and then create something go somewhere else yeah i think that's also yeah. super interesting about it because your your acting interface is a completely different one than his one uh, as he has this instrument he has his keys he has his mouthpiece And you have your trackpad and your faders or whatever you use as a as an interface. Uh, I think that's uh, that's pretty interesting to to have this kind of approach. What I now thought when you explained this procedure is, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's the case, but maybe you can talk a little bit about it. This kind of this kind of uh, creation, uh, I guess that drives you somewhere else as a composer as if you were just sitting uh, on a table and writing your pieces so do you have the impression this uh, also this way of working this brings you to completely somewhere else and also uh, the fact that there is another person who is co-creating that uh, where you are going to that it's kind of more open or Uh, how would you describe this? Yes, definitely. I mean, also you leave there this... I mean, it's, the problem is just that you have like these roles, uh, like the role of a composer or the role of a performer. And in this moment, I would say I went more into the direction of a performer and not only an interpret, like really more a performer or more... Yeah, you, you become like soulmates and then you start co creating this is the only way it can work like when you are on the same wavelength and you know what the other one wants and the other one kind of knows what you want and you can talk on on the same eye height to each other this is very nice so and um what makes it with you as a composer is uh yeah i think it liberates you because also you listen more to what the others say and also it's nice to listen and then to react you know it's like uh, it's it's like uh, in the moment you are on stage you are not only a composer anymore you're you're creating in the moment you're interpreting you're reacting yeah yeah it's interesting that you that you say that because uh i i know this kind of uh situation as well And uh, but more from the other side as a as a uh, let's say classical interpreter, and uh, when you're so deeply involved uh, into the creation of a piece, the performance feeling is a totally different one. As if you just uh, start your thoughts on a piece when you get the first version of the score. Uh, yeah. without having been involved it, it's it's funny it's funny that that somehow uh, it of course it changes not only uh, the relation between two persons but I also think it also uh, changes the result in a way and uh, I wouldn't go so far to say 
it's better. But what I can definitely say, uh, it's it's better for me as a person and for the working <laughs> process. By because I really feel, uh, I really feel kind of involved and uh, feel more that it's really a part of me. I'm performing, and not only some abstract piece of paper which somebody else created. Uh, and this is a good feeling, I have to say. Yes, definitely. I mean, you have a total different connection to the to the sonic result or to the acting or performing result. I mean, this this act of co-creation. It's not only in music where this happens. I mean, there's also in theater, like Rene Polish, for example. So far as I know, he works a lot with the actors, building the whole text and building the whole. Uh, dramaturgy and and like it's a you can't compare it to to a, like an existing work which is like then interpreted and then yeah yeah it's, it's a different result it's much more personal it's much more in the moment um yeah and it's also funny when it's easy to do this with one person for example but as soon as you have more persons involved it gets really interesting and 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 tricky also at the same time definitely i think the the theater example is a really good one uh because uh for example of course also uh, christoph martale works in this way and his main work in the first weeks of a production is just to to gather inputs and then uh putting stuff together and uh nobody knows where where this whole project somehow drives to so i think uh, it's also uh in let's say our classical world uh an interesting goal to focus a little bit more on the process than only to the result so i mean as i'm involved i i can really say that i enjoy this uh, this dense connection to a composer during the creation i i just enjoy very much uh, this period because i feel i can learn about myself about music also about my way of playing i can learn much more if i compare it to a situation just getting a piece of music and then practice it yeah <laughs> i mean this the, the the mechanism you describe it also sounds very unnatural or just like yeah mechanic it just sounds a little bit like um like a worker in a factory yes you're totally right but as i told you in the beginning i'm already an old guy <laughs> so i know this situation uh like it was in the 80s uh, or also in the beginning of the 90s when when a composer of a certain standing in the scene wrote a piece for you i mean Of course, there were exceptions, but uh, uh, it was mainly there's the piece and you perform it. So there is a step A and then there is a step B. Uh, and uh, I really think this uh, somehow this kind of collaboration has, has really changed over the last decades. I mean, we have, of course, a lot of historical examples where it was in a way 
uh, as we describe it now, like if you think of uh, John Cage and David Tudor or or Jacinto Schelsi and Michiko Hirayama, I mean, the Canti del Capricorni wouldn't have happened without her or... Uh, or Luciano Berio and David Moss, uh, who he wrote a whole scene for in his last opera. Uh, or if you think about Joshua Pergis with uh, several interpreters, I mean, there it totally feels supernatural how it is. But there is also, we, we both know this, there is also this, this other side where we have this kind of very very traditional approach i don't want to name it now <laughs> who the, who this is but uh, we know who we are talking about i mean i, I mean i also think there the, the problem is in this case at the end the listener has to decide and sometimes one or the other way of approaching um, bringing music to stage can have a good result. I mean, I also like to compose, I must say, just to write music, but still then I like to collaborate and to to show it to the people in before during the process and and make yourself vulnerable, um, show what you know, what you don't know, and be open for input and be open for the person you're writing for. This is this is, I think, a, the the important thing also. I totally agree because if we if we watch it from the other side uh, a lot of pieces wouldn't have been like they are if this not uh, let's put it now in a negative way if this kind of super autistic approach uh, of a composer to be really uh, in his own world and 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 creating creating some something super special I think there are really pieces where you can say, okay, if this would have happened in a co-creation, this piece would not have been possible in this way. So I think it's super interesting that we have both approaches and, and both sides. But uh, let me come back to... Uh, uh, to an aspect which uh, you didn't name it, but I heard it a little bit through. Isn't it also a question of hierarchy? Let's say there is a, an information in the beginning which is just as it is, and this is the this is the starting point. And then there there is somebody else who, in the worst case, just executes it. In the best case fills it with a lot of live personality, emotion, know-how, whatever, performance in its best way. But uh, if we see it in a traditional way, I think uh, we know this kind of hierarchy. And I must say, as a performer, I see since the 80s there really a big change in our scene, that, uh, that there is now a deal... That it's clear we need both and uh, we work better together if we collaborate and not say there is first the piece and then there's the performance. How 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 do you see this? I mean you're you're another generation, of course, maybe for you this is kind of uh, much more natural, but uh, believe me, I know the other side pretty well. I I mean I, I totally believe you and I honestly think that you need both. You need both approaches and I also need both, uh, be able to, to execute both approaches. I need to be able to to write a piece for someone 
of course I need also for myself to connect if I don't connect I, I the peace for me in the afterlife is very cold and and um, not part of me somehow so much but this is I mean this is another story because at the end I think you have to come to a, to a point with the, with the means you have and sometimes the one or the other other way can be the right way for it for example now i'm working with the vocal solisten and here actually we're doing a really funny mix of of things so on the one hand i am composing so i wrote closed pieces on the other hand we are tearing them apart to create um, new moments on the experience of like several weeks of rehearsals we have together on the other hand i'm also curating together with them pieces which fit to the th things and the ideas um, we had together to build uh, an entire evening out of uh, new pieces and out of their repertoire and then also we build um, I bring only like ideas of for example um, let's say it's a hyperventilierungsperformance like just a moment of hyperventilation and fear and then we start creating it so it's it's a really funny mix of everything so of purely composed of created in the moment created over time um, accepted um, repertoire from others and put it in the right context in the right moment so you know I think there are so many approaches and it's important to know when to use which one yeah, that's a. I think that's a. That's a totally wise word. Uh, it's great that you mentioned your your project you're uh, you're uh, working on at this moment, because I wanted to ask you uh, as you were saying uh, you're working over weeks on this project. So I was imagining uh, you came with some shorter pieces or some sketches uh, which you composed. Uh, by yourself and then you you got there with all these guys and uh, you started the creation process together do you have also a dramaturgist in this work <laughs> or somebody who watches this from kind of outside or or is this really among you who are who are doing this so the whole the whole project started like quite uh let's say rockety because there was like this big co corona void like in the summer and nobody knew how it's going to go on and um, I talked to Christine Fischer uh, or she talked to me if I would like to do a project with the Neuvokaso Listen about this um, to, to fill this corona void because you know everybody had to cancel concerts and things like this and there was time and yeah. time has to be filled so um, I said, yeah, um, but how is it, if they have so much time, how, why don't we use the time and create together? So because I could compose a piece of 10 minutes and it would be like a, a nice piece, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we could also just use the time and create together. I mean, I, I, I'm, and I'm also talking out of the experience I made over the last uh, couple of years as I said, I started in bands and since I went out of uh, university or already when I was still in the university, I had every couple of months one or two productions where there was this co-creation aspect and I learned 
a lot of that. And what I learned is also to be quick and effective in, in the process of creation. And um, then I said, yeah, let's use the time, combine all these things like writing a new piece, remixing old material, uh, choosing repertoire, and behind this aspect of like building this piece which connects the world of the, the digital and the analog and the stage as a membrane between those. And all this happened because I was sitting, like many of us, watching all those streaming concerts or doing streaming concerts for themselves. And I think it's just not satisfying to sit at home and, and see people performing, even if they are performing brilliantly on stage. It's just, you can't send information. Like, you know, the subtle information you send from, you sit in the audience, you're watching somebody, and even if the performer is not um, lifting his head and looking into the audience he's still feeling you that you are there and you're transmitting your energy your vibe your subtle reactions of what you perceive as a listener and i wanted to work on this um this gap this like closed door so the idea was to make it possible for the listener at home to send information to send to project into the room That's super interesting uh, what you're describing there because I just these days uh, make this experience of a co-creation uh, with Georges Perges who is writing a piece for yes. me and uh, I mean he's in Paris and they have really a heavy situation so uh, what happens he, he sends me a page and then uh, I record it and uh, send it to him. Uh, then we discuss it on Zoom, uh, try to check out the changes, but without, you know, having this uh, this real-time effect. Uh, what you need so much, you're both around the instruments and you, you listen to the sound in the same room and, uh, uh, and then he writes another page or makes some changes, I record it again. You know, uh, of course, it, it somehow works, Uh, but you can really feel there is uh, missing something, uh, some, something really essential. I mean, of course, we know when we are listening to online concerts, this kind of uh, social sharing uh, with somebody and talking about and, and this, social, this whole uh, social surrounding, which very often leads to also, I think, pretty interesting and important conversations. This is kind of not working and uh, it, it's super interesting that you that it's that this is now the subject of your project i'm 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 totally curious what uh what this will be uh yeah that's really super so uh i mean i i did not exactly know that you were now on this project but <laughs> i'm happy that it fits so well <laughs> in the in the subject we are just talking about this is uh yeah this is kind of perfect uh I wanted to uh, to mention one other aspect we didn't talk about yet uh, concerning the co-creation. That's the question of authorship and royalties. Ah. Uh, how do you think this this should be resolved? I mean, it's anyway a complicated question in times of recomposing, remixing. Uh, taking this all in a different way with all these uh, technologies I mean in your projects how did you deal with it? Um, I didn't care so much actually <laughs> I mean because I'm, I'm also writing a lot of pieces where I'm the 
the one creator and then of course it's clear but in the other projects of course if you're co-creating then you're co-creating there's no there's no negotiation negotiating there yeah yeah i'm i'm asking this because uh when you i mean when you're when you uh apply for funds and and stuff or uh projects sometimes it's even complicated to apply as an as a co-author because it's somehow in this traditional system yeah <laughs> they are not prepared for this so i just thought it's it's interesting how to deal with it uh because of course it depends of the way of the co-creation that's why i said in the beginning there are diff of course there are a hundred different ways of co-creating but there are situations uh i mean you know this as you have this background from bands where I think uh, co-creation is a supernatural process, but we are here in a kind of other world where we have a sheet of paper and then we perform this sheet of paper. So uh, it's interesting uh, in our days how we also have to deal with this aspect, uh, which is some uh, a kind of change of roles. How did you resolve this subject, for example, with Richard in the Iron Lung? Yeah, actually, I must say I forgot to. Um, <laughs> I think I, I have to still put it on the list, and of course he would be co-creator. We wrote it together, but this was from the very first moment clear. So we said, yeah, we will, we will do this together, and yeah, point. So if I do, it it also depends often. For example, in this project, there was a funny situation. Also, I didn't answer your question from before with the dramaturg, but um, maybe. I will try to do this later. So we were sitting at a table with uh, Christine Fischer and then I have a team of um, of uh, programmers who are programming the web interface because it's an online music theater and um, graphic designers and it's, it's kind of like the Bühnenbildner, the, the, the stage or the scenographer of, of the digital domain, let's say it like this. And then we were sitting there and she was introducing us uh, to each other and she was um, talking about the project and uh, yeah, and this is, um, she explained like the whole project and the whole working and the whole text and then she turned to me and said, yeah, and this is Andreas, he's the pilot. <laughs> so uh, in this moment I was like uh, swallowing like schluck, uh, okay. <laughs> Now I realize how big this will become and how like how much uh, responsibility you have. So I think it goes a little bit with that. So if you're responsible, if it goes wrong, <laughs> then um, you also need to carry a little bit of this burden of this. Your name is there. It's your creation. You're, of course, co-creating, but somebody often has to make the decisions at the end, especially when it's a big project. I mean, also, we can go back to the theater example. It's still René Polish or Martala or, you know, these names who are doing the regie. But, of course, you know the the, the way or the, the process of creation yeah. has a lot of elements of collaboration and co-creation in it. Fair enough. But I mean, I, I, I totally agree. It's also uh, super yeah. important because in this kind of bigger projects, you need this one person uh, who in certain situations just says, 
yes or no. Yes. I mean, this is part of the process, and uh, it's also connected to this uh, to this uh, subject, I guess. Coming back to your, uh, because you mentioned it again, uh, you're totally right. Because I, I really like to know how do you how did you resolve this with the dramaturgy? Um, well, at the end, I so. At the beginning, I kind of could picture like the whole amount of work which will come in the next month, and um, I tried to minimize it, but it didn't work so well <laughs> because at the end, um, yeah, at the end I ended up uh, writing basically the whole script for the piece, and actually I worked closely with Christina on it until it was at a point where we could uh, show it to the singers and. Then I was working with them, but basically I, I just brought all the material, and then. Um, but also at the same time, I think I became good in reading reactions and taking input and getting the best out of it. So I had this graphic team; they gave a lot of input on the visual aspects. The singers, where we we went through the text uh, thoroughly together, and I took their feedback quite seriously. And also with Christine, uh, um, we talked, uh, we had a couple of, of Zoom sessions until we had it on a refined level. Yeah, it's, sounds great. I mean, it's not the, the first, it's also not the first experience I have in this genre. Like I've worked already a couple of times with dramaturgs and also here I would have, have loved to have one. But, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, money or of the structure of the organization, you know, you work with the means you have. Yeah, yeah, super. So what is important to mention now for those listeners of the podcast uh, who maybe listen to, to this podcast in December or in January, uh, will there be something, uh, kind of documentation on the net uh, that we can see this or... Uh, or is this just a, a project for a moment? Um, so it's a big project for the moment. Um, and I guess we will repeat it also when there is again the possibility to play it live. Because right now we have the online audience and the rooms which are built for the online audience. We have the real room and we have um, some people in this room which are, who are part of the piece. Yeah. But of course it would be funnier if we would have like 30 or 40 people, real people in the room and 30 or 40 people in the digital room so they can like interact the way it's meant to be. It will yeah. be cool. So we adapted to the Corona solutions as uh, much as we can. Yeah. Again, we work with what we have. Yeah. Super. <laughs> But um, we might even repeat it later next year. We have to see. Okay. Uh, yeah. thanks a lot for this and yeah I uh, wish you the best for next week hope to see it and uh, I maybe also should mention uh, the website of uh, Andreas Frank's project which is supersafesociety.org thanks to everybody for listening thanks to you Andy for joining this talk and yeah hear you soon bye bye